0: Let's welcome to the VIN Podcast a very special guest, Joel Petlin, superintendent of the Kiryas Yoel School District and a staunch defender of the Jewish community against the New York Times, against the far left. Mr. Petlin, thank you so much for being here.
1: Pleasure to be there.
0: And before we get into the recent hit piece against your district, Kiryas Yoel, Uh, Somebody tweeted just this weekend, just to illustrate the New York Times agenda, Elisa Shapiro, her last 15 articles in the New York Times have all been about the Hasidic community and against yeshivas. And the New York Times is literally on a crusade against the Orthodox community. And what are your thoughts about that?
1: I think it's outrageous. I think it wouldn't be tolerated if it occurred to any other minority group. And it really is quite shocking that the Times has this vendetta against the Hasidic and Orthodox Jewish community. It, it's really unbelievable in 2023.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it really is. Before we get into the allegations, like I said, uh, against your school district, this past week there was a big commotion. New York state lawmakers introduced a bill to ban corporal punishment, and the New York Times and Shapiro took credit, falsely claimed that well, it was their report about yeshivas, which had an anecdote or two about corporal punishment or about you know physical punishment of students, that prompted that legislation. So you had Democrat Sen- State Senator Julia Salazar, who's a leftist, who's not even that close a friend to the Jewish community, and she sponsored the bill. She sh- she pushed back on Twitter. She said, no, actually, I didn't see any evidence any of a pattern of physical punishment in yeshivas, and that is not what prompted. We just want to have a formal ban on corporal punishment in private schools, contradicting the New York Times. The Times actually refused to back down, even despite that. I'm curious if you have thoughts about that whole situation.
1: I do, actually. The, the Times is a, is a different kind of newspaper. They don't just put words to paper. They actually want to make social change. So it's obviously in their best interest to try to make everything about them. But if they weren't reporting a story, then nothing would happen. And because they've reported it, they think that the world has to turn over and, and follow their their guidance. The the legislation that um, that Assemblywoman Salazar has has proposed and others have proposed has been around for a while and it's 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 debated and it's discussed and I don't think there's anyone that thinks that we should have corporal punishment in any school, public or private. But for the Times to take a victory lap is is really just their brand. It's what they do because they want to be seen as a as a mover and a shaker in this in this issue where clearly they have nothing. Uh, They were actually upstaged by the Albany Times Union, which did a report a few days after their blockbuster, quote unquote, story from September 11th that came out with the fact that 18,000. Reports of corporal punishment were filed by public school districts in New York state over a five year period. And 1600 of those were reviewed by law enforcement and and determined to be credible. So the idea that this is an issue that is uh, prompted by the times or only occurring in yeshivas is an outrageous slur. And one more thing that the the times is doing to attack yeshivas.
0: Yeah, very well said. And let me ask you point blank Uh, to your knowledge Are there any yeshivas uh, that uh, use corporal punishment as a policy? There could be a rogue rebbe here or there, but isn't there a formal policy in the year 2023?
1: Absolutely not. I I can't believe that today. I mean, look, we shouldn't minimize the pain that actual victims have suffered in Previous times in all schools, public and private, including yeshivas, there was a time when obviously it was more accepted. I mean people talk about how the nuns in Catholic school would you know wrap your knuckles with uh, with rulers and i 'm sure the same things occurred in many many public yeah. and private schools, including yeshivas but that's a that 's something that occurred in a totally different time in a different generation and and I understand the pain that people felt that might still feel from when they had it as children, but no one would tolerate that today. Nobody put their kids in a school like that today, and 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 the the, the victims of that obviously deserve support. But let's not make that into something that's going on today. It's as as you as you said, it's extremely rare. It's it's not something that's encouraged. It's something that, that any school would endorse or approve for any any rabbi and and all of their all of the teachers now received so much more. Uh, training and professional development than what they used to uh, with with previous generations. I, I know for myself in and, and the schools that I attended as well. It's 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 a night and day situation with with the yeshivas today.
0: Yeah, that's true, and things are so much more sophisticated nowadays. And yeah, the 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 yeshiva system, in a certain sense, reflects the secular system in the sense of having evolved and you know having moved away from a lot of those kind of archaic uh, policies. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, okay, so let's get into the hit piece against your district. Uh the Times made it sound as though I mean they had this scintillating headline. A lot of distortions made it sound like your district was funneling money illicitly to Yeshiva's. The reality is that everything was done legitimately, and in fact a lot of the money you were required, like millions of dollars was required to be turned over to private schools. So a lot of distortions there. If you could please describe the details and your perspective.
1: Well, the distortion on the on the Joel story, uh, I think, starts with the bias that the Times has, and you know we've spoken about that. But it, it, it's more than that. They were not interested in a story about the n- unique qualities of the Curious Joel school district. We're we're one of 700 school districts in New York State, but unlike all the others, our focus is only on special education, because all of the the non-handicapped children of Curious Joel attend private religious schools. The the fact that that we have such a situation where all of my board members are residents of Kiryas Joel, meaning that they're they're Hasidic individuals, that's unusual. Now I accept that, and I I accept that that it might be a worthy of a story because of the differences that you know that we have and and how things work. But the reporter that they sent had no. Background in education reporting, no background in federal grants or in Jewish religion or Jewish culture he's not a not a Jew to my knowledge. He actually came with an agenda, and his agenda was set by the the editors, the assignment editors that put him out to continue the barrage of negative stories. And they figure that curious show would be one more avenue for them to take in order to continue that crusade.
0: Very, very interesting. And uh, if we can get into some of those details, if you don't mind that, you know, they talked about rental payments that were made for facilities that I guess uh, were owned by the private schools. They talk about repairs. I mean, extremely normal things. I believe it was it's five percent of the budget is used for rent payments, which my understanding is that's actually pretty low covid funding which a lot of that covid funding i think only came about because there were so many low income yeshiva students and private school students so money that was being turned over to the private schools and to the yeshivas and as you say you know the the district is extremely unique to me it seems and you'll tell me if this is accurate that kiyshola is one of the few places in the country where the, the, something's being done which should be done more often, which is that the private school actually gets to benefit from the tax dollars. Most of us who pay to yeshiva tuition, there's double dipping going on. We pay uh, taxes, so we pay into the public school system. We get no benefit virtually, and then we then pay yeshiva tuition on top of that. And, of course, there's no voucher program almost anywhere. And here in Kiryas Joel, they actually do get some of those tax dollars back. So what are your thoughts on all of that?
1: That's exactly true. Uh, what's what's unique, I guess and curious Joel, uh, and people should understand this. the the money that we receive from the state government, and the federal government is all formula driven. There's no um, discretion on the part of the of the school district of how much to give toward um, secular programs or um, or textbooks and things like that because the state mandates, what school districts are supposed to do. Now, in Curious Joel, that number is a little skewed because, as I said, the formula drives it, and it's based on the number of low-income um, students, whether or not they go to public or private school. So we're required to spend that money in that way, and uh, that happened for the stimulus money, and that happened for That happened for all the other uh, programs that we operate, such as Title I and giving out textbooks and things like that. In terms of the rental, uh, it's an interesting thing, and it it happens more in New York City, but there really isn't space for the construction of a public school uh, in Curious Joel that could have been done in in a uh, a cost-effective manner. So we reached out to... um, to leaders of the community and the buildings that we have per- that we have uh, leased from the non-public school are perfect for us and they are in fact a cost savings when they were actually built and we have a state approved 30-year lease on our public school and a 20-year lease on our early childhood education center and the fact that he would – the reporter of The Times would criticize the lease that was approved by the voters – because all long-term leases are approved by the voters – and approved by the commissioner of education at a below-fair market rental, which we have independent appraisals for, is shocking to me. And none of that was mentioned. It was only mentioned that my landlord happens to be a religious school, which is not unusual in a community where the United Telemunical Academy uh, – that's the, the name of the private yeah. school – is the is a major landowner in the community that's what what they do for their own fundraising it's you know it's not just a an annual dinner or a bake sale they actually own property and rent it out and that's not unusual uh the the building that I'm that have my I have my office in the the business office in the community is also a building that's owned by an affiliate of uta so the fact that they're in the real estate business to raise money and they're not charging me more than they would charge anybody else in fact i'm paying a little less than market value right now is an outrageous slur against the community because it's all up and up it's all above board we've we've gotten the state to approve it and the, the community to approve it we're just paying rent, and that's not that's something I mean, that shouldn't be shocking. But that was the the centerpiece of their of their article that we were somehow breaking some sort of uh, rule of a conflict of interest when there is no conflict at all.
0: Wow, amazing! And tell us, walk us through. You spent a long time uh, speaking with you said they sent down a reporter, and that reporter you're saying has no background, no knowledge of these kinds of details and about private schools and yeshivas and you know, what, what the makeup of the community is all about and the culture of the community. And clearly he went in with an agenda. And you spent a lot of time, right, giving them a lot of details, walking them through the budget and the financing and all these issues. And they they pretty much ignored all of that, as, as you alluded to earlier when they published the story.
1: That's absolutely right. What they, what they did was they sent a reporter in who admitted to me that they were going all hands on deck after the September 11th piece went out. They decided that they were going to cover the Hasidic community from every different angle, including special education. So this was one of the avenues that they chose. Uh, And they sent someone out, as I said, with, with no basic information of these things. And we spent hours and hours. He attended multiple public school board meetings. He reviewed are minutes for years and years. He reviewed budgets and payroll records. He did a lot of research, but his his clear intention was not to say... The, the the wonderful things that he learned the 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 amazing programs that were operating and the and the the number of children that were helping and all the different districts that send the students that were able to provide special education services for that couldn't receive those services in their home school district and instead he only chose to focus on one minor aspect which was an overlapping board with a non public school for decisions that they've made in the best interests of the public school and for some of the you know one of the salaries of of uh one of the children of a board member which is not unusual it's actually a fair compensation for the work that he does yeah he's he's literally a 24-7 type of employee and anyone that knows him would know that you know they're picking on the wrong guy this is someone that actually is you know puts in more than a full day's work for his salary
0: Incredible. That's really incredible. It's outrageous. Uh, I'm curious, how much of a danger do you think that there's a real danger, you know, with the New York Times clearly, you know, co- collaborating directly or indirectly, um, with government officials here because they're on this mission? Is there a danger yeshivas could be defunded? We, we know about the substantial equivalency guidelines that have passed and, you know, the Times has this False narrative that somehow there's an unfair amount of money being pumped into yeshivas, which is has been discredited again and again. Then in recent weeks, I'm sure you saw this: Brad Lander, New York City controller, uh, sent a letter threatening to defund Yeshiva University if they don't recognize pride clubs. I know that's not exactly the same thing, but it, it strikes me as being eerily connected. Like, do you think yeshivas are like at risk of losing funding if if they don't start to comply with this agenda?
1: well that there's clearly an agenda that's that the Times has in their reporting on these issues i mean it's it's impossible over this six month period that they that they couldn't find a, a positive story or uh right. it's just a, a relentless assault uh this is obviously and the fact that they've sent out reporters uh in all of these directions to, to do these pieces with you know with no regard to you know to any semblance of fairness because they're pre- presenting only a one-sided portrayal. I mean I I did see the other piece that you're referring to uh from um from Mr. Lander and I I don't understand the uh, the obsession. You know that's obviously Yeshiva University is probably a model of uh of openness and you know just a different right. type of, of school than you'd expect to have the the city or the state come down on. So, it, yes, I, I do think there's something larger afoot here.
0: Yeah, and that was what was shocking. Right. In other words, they're the ones, if anything, it should, we would not expect them to be like the number one target. They seem to be just in the crosshairs here in recent much, which, months, which is pretty amazing. I'll shift gears here for a moment. I'm curious if you saw uh, Mayor Eric, New York City Mayor Eric Adams' comments uh, he essentially suggested – he's speaking at some kind of, I guess, religious gathering, and he said that – or suggested that removing God from the classroom, that actually led to bringing guns into the classroom, and the left has been having a meltdown. They're saying Eric Adams wants to undermine the separation of church and state. Eric Adams, to my mind was saying, wow, like we have shown religion, no, no, no value. And we've essentially just uh, had nothing sacred that we kind of instill in public school students he was referring to. And that has led to just this decaying of culture and society in the classroom. So did you see those comments? I'm curious. You have any thoughts about those comments?
1: I did. I don't think he was, um, seeking the removal of the separation of church and state. I think there's <laughs> a, there's a recognition at this point in, you know, in our country that, uh, those two spheres are going to exist. The, the real question has always been, um, w- why a religious institution is unworthy of funding from the government for programs that are non-sectarian in nature. If it's, if you're providing a, a service, that, um, that can and should be provided. I mean, the perfect example is safety grants, uh, security grants for, for yeshivas. That's been approved. The federal government understands that. The courts have ruled on those issues. And there's still so much pushback against that because of this theory that, uh, not a single dollar should ever go to a religious institution. I mean, we're very careful to make sure to only give the, the private schools of Kirishol the, the state and federal funding that they're legally entitled to and not a dollar more because we're not looking to fund their religious program nor do they ask us to fund their religious program. But to provide transportation, which is required and secular textbooks and remedial services in math and English, Professional development for their teachers; those are things that people shouldn't have a problem with. And unfortunately, we're finding more and more uh, places like the New York Times that are that are pushing back against that.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. And that was there was a big uh, decision by the Supreme Court last year in another state, you know, where they also sort of debunked that. It's something that you feel like those with an agenda want to fall back on. Oh, it separates your church and state. And like you say, then you can't provide busing, you can't provide spe- special ed, and other secular uh, funding and you know even in this situation with Kioseol the the aguda responded you know one one of the paragraphs in the times when they put out the hit piece against Kioseol was they said you know funding is going to UTA And UTA has minimal secular education when it comes to math and science. And essentially they're going to say, oh, so the New York Times is not happy with what the private schools are doing, which is totally legal and it has never been um, touched by the state in any way. But because the New York Times decided, well, that's not the education level that we like, therefore they have no right to funding. I mean, and they really kind of exposed their own agenda there.
1: 100%. Hundred percent. And I'm actually quite pleased that the Aguda has taken this up uh with their know us.org campaign. I think it's a terrific um uh, avenue to address this. I mean as as uh they're counting, they're they're running account, they've up to nineteen articles. That have been these one-sided hit pieces against the Orthodox and Hasidic community, and uh, I'm glad the Agudah is pushing back, and I'm also glad the Anti-Defamation League has picked up the pace on this as well. Jonathan Greenblatt, their executive director, has uh, made some comments as well uh, recently that have that have questioned what the Times is doing in this assault. There's, you know, there's obviously room for improvement in all schools, public and private, including yeshivas. But the idea that we should focus solely on uh, some deficits or alleged deficits at uh, the, in the private religious, you know, Jewish schools, is clearly an obsession, and it has to stop. I don't understand why it's continuing, you know, one after another. And I'm glad the Agoda and the ADL and others are finally waking up to that. Yeah, it's that's really that terrific. Excellent that, uh, point. I'm getting that. I'm getting that.
0: Excellent point. I, I was very pleased. The ADL, John Greenblatt, did this video several weeks ago in collaboration with Fox News, and it aired on Fox News or Fox Nation or one of those, uh, where he literally not only defended yeshivas, he talked about the value of Talmudic education. And uh, he really did blast the New York Times. And that did kind of give me a lot of hope in terms of the octus that can come out of all of this.
1: 100%. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling how... Uh, the, the times will, t- will take a, an institution that is by and large paid for by parents who choose what school to send their children to for the values that they have, for the education that they want for their children, and then to turn that around and, and try to make it into a laughing stock where everybody would, would point fingers and just make assumptions about corporal punishment, or about the quality of the education. And I think that's outrageous.
0: Okay, so we will leave it there. You have any final thoughts? Well, I appreciate the the opportunity to speak about this
1: because this is unfortunately an ongoing issue that we're struggling with, and it's an unfair attack on these schools. And I don't, I don't think that it should continue. And I don't think it's going to go away if we just ignore it. So I'm glad that we're getting, a, you know, more and more of of the these opportunities to. To really flesh this out and to explain and expose where the New York Times and others have uh, have been pushing back against schools, we need to push back against them.
0: Right. That's the truth. I was going to ask you, and I think you kind of addressed it, you know, what else we could do or what more we could be doing. But, yeah, I think what you're doing and what the, the public is doing, just keeping this out there, and obviously it's been decided – by the community at least it seems obvious to me that uh taking this sitting down and being not vocal just didn't work for a lot of years and we really need to and I know they are good then they spoke to our bunum and uh, made that conscious decision which has been uh, which is unusual because we usually keep a low profile in the from community but uh that has been the response and uh hopefully you know that really does accomplish
1: One hundred percent. And I'm I'm glad they're on the case. And I'm I I appreciate the the support. I think it's 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 vital that more people join this fight and understand what it means, because it's it's the New York Times, you know, despite what uh, many of its critics will argue, is still the paper of record. There's still the go-to. Uh, anybody doing a Google search is going to see the New York Times and cite it as an authority. So there's no reason to believe that um, these things are going to go away by themselves. We need more people to stand up, and, and I'm pleased that the Aguda has met with the Times and the ADL has met with the Times. Unfortunately, they've been unsuccessful in convincing them to change course, so we're going to have to push back in any other way that we can.
0: Okay. Mr. Petlin, your clarity, you know, your eloquent analysis. And I also, I really appreciate your tweets. I feel like you have a very rational, fact-based approach. Like your posts, they're very powerful. They're very logical. They're always spot on. So uh, I appreciate it. I wish you a lot of chizok uh, and in the future.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you, Jacob.
0: Thank you, Joel Petlin, superintendent of the Kios Joel School District on the VIN News podcast.